Let's wind back to 1983. Mario Brothers was released on Nintendo and the first mobile phone was sold by Motorola. At the same time, Scott Cook was watching his wife trying to balance the books at home in California just using paper. Remember, everyone in America has to file tax returns. Scott decided to do something about it, creating a software called Quicken, which made his wife's job much easier. In 1992, QuickBooks was born, and the company behind it, which Scott founded, was called Intuit. Wind forward to today, Scott is a billionaire, and QuickBooks is the biggest financial management software in the world. The reason that they're number one is they make it really easy for companies to take care of their finances, from sole traders to enterprise and growth-minded businesses in between. So, If you want better control and visibility of your company's finances, from invoicing to forecasting, then head to quickbooks.co.uk forward slash secret leaders. That's quickbooks.co.uk forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. When you're 18 and you decide that you're going to open your own business, you have got the biggest rose colored spectacles on in the world and you're full of ideas nothing's been thought out and this is my experience it's i've got some cash i'm going to buy stuff and then i'm going to sell it all and then i'm going to be really rich and everyone's going to buy it and it's going to be wonderful that's joe fisher talking about an underwear business she launched in the late 80s when she was just 18. they had market stalls across manchester she didn't know it when she started but she would end up having to close it down thousands of pounds in debt from Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray Serta, and this is our bite sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because we learn a lot more from failure than success, but we hardly ever hear about it. We're changing that with the help of entrepreneurs like Joe sharing their worst moments. And nowadays, Joe is the founder and CEO of Footlights, a performing arts company that she started 17 years ago. They've got 17 franchises and work with schools across the north of England. Joe got into business at a ridiculously young age. I lived in a two up, two down on a Coronation Street, typical northern Coronation Street street. And um, I used to sell items from my mum's in the vestibule. It was We called it the vestibule. And I used to sit there selling my wares. So I'd go and knock on all the houses and see if anybody had anything to sell. And then I'd sell it and then obviously spend all the money on sweets. <laughs> But then I'd go to jumble sales and start investing the money and buying more stuff. Um, And then um, I've always been into performing as well. So, for example, for Halloween, I put you in a shopping trolley and gave you a Halloween experience. And then I literally bribed and persuaded everybody to be characters in the house. And then I'd wheel you through on the shopping trolley for 20p. So, yeah, I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, as I got older, I started working on market stalls. I'm talking, I was 12, 13. When I went to school, by the time I was 14, there was nothing for me. I just thought, there's no, what's the point of me being here? I'm not going to be a typist. I'm not going to be a hairdresser. I always loved the theatre and drama, but I've never been to the theatre. I've never done any drama because uh, without selling a sad story, we was on a poor working class Terry Street so I ended up working full-time on the market from when I was 14 and earning quite a bit of money I would say back in 1984 I bet I was earning 80 to 100 pound a week so then later on I'd gone through various jobs office jobs and this and that definitely wasn't for me 
no chance. Um, and then I decided to open my own underwear business. This wasn't the done thing where Joe was from. All your other female role models, really, at that time, uh, either, particularly the area I was from, most of them didn't work. Um, my mum did work all the time in an office. Um, but the mums, the woman's role was cooking, cleaning. Some people were working, or teachers, really. But the head and the deputy head, everybody was always male. So it felt really wonderful to be... I was always that sort of girl anyway. I was never going to be a girly girl, much to my mother's disappointment. Um, it You just feel really powerful. And the thought of just saying the words, I'm going to open my own business, takes you to a whole new level. And it's a little bit different now because there's many business owners now in 2022. I don't know the statistics, but a lot more than they were back then, particularly females. But you still have that naivety now. And you still, every single 18, 20-year-old now is opening their own business, thinks they're going to make it. And within six months a year, they're going to be a millionaire and take over the world. And then you learn. <laughs> and you learn through failure most of the time. So I got went to wholesalers in various places like Nottingham, Sheffield. Manchester was a hub of underwear wholesalers so where the very trend of northern quarter is now in manchester very famous that was didn't exist it was all underwear um wholesalers so i used to buy from there try and work out my markup with literal no business experience um no academic um qualifications whatsoever so it's kind of guessing and therein lies the problem really when you're guessing what you need is a really good excel sheet if you're making it up from the top of your head, you've got no idea about your sort of guessing. And you always, 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 when you start out as an entrepreneur, you always overestimate what you're going to make. Always. Years in the business, you underestimate and go, yeah, that it's not going to work. So that's where the sort of problem started lying, I think. And then I employed my best friend. Making a friend your business partner is something many entrepreneurs consider, including me but it doesn't always work out. I had about six market stalls over the week um, because I started off like obviously with one and then that got busy. So then I booked another market for the same day. So that's when I brought in my friend and she was going to run the other side of it, but she didn't put any money into it. It was all my money. So um, for anybody that ever going to listen to me and rolling on, um, don't trust anybody who doesn't put 50-50 in. I'd always write a contract about your roles and responsibilities and their roles and responsibilities. And I think when you're young, particularly, you think everyone's going to be your best friend forever. You think everybody's got your back and you trust them. So basically, we were growing at quite a rapid rate because we were getting busier. Um, I was booking more and more markets. We were doubling up on them so she could run one and I could run the other. We both worked it between us. She would do in the week and I would do in the weekends. But it's after a while, she'd started not taking any money in, in the week at all. Then when I was there on a Saturday and Sunday, it'd be absolutely packed. And the stock was depleting and the money wasn't coming in. And, you know, you're sort of weighing up a really good friendship, um, a business model that you think you've come up with and it's fabulous and you're 18, 19 and you think it's all going to be great. And your ego. And because we weren't keeping books, as it were, 
with income, outgoing expenditure, VAT, etc. Um, is all in my head. It takes a long while to see it. Until you actually then go, well, hang on, add everything up. I've spent 10, 15 grand. I haven't got 10 or 15 grand's worth of stuff left. And I've certainly not had it in. There's a problem. So then, of course, you know, she, which I think probably hurt me the most, is that she was going around telling everybody that I was a failure or that I didn't know how to manage business and stuff. And actually, she was stealing from it. So I was left with debt, somewhere between sort of £3,000 and £7,000 worth of debt. And I had credit card debt as well, some of that. And um, I was left with no friendship. I decided that the best thing would be to sort of suck it up, the debt, and pay it, rather than continue. And I'd never been in debt, because as, as we said earlier, I'd been earning money since I was like really young. I've always been a grafter. I was always earning money. So I'd never had a credit card. I got a credit card for this business. So, you know, it absolutely killed me to have credit card debt and to have debt that I owed. It, it was not nice. And, well, it was more than not nice. It's humiliating. Yeah, it might have failed anyway because I wasn't doing all... I didn't understand VAT. I didn't understand the markup process that I should have done. I didn't write everything down. But it also it massively failed. I'm not going to blame her. It massively failed because she ripped me off. But it also would have failed. It was a matter of time before it was going to fail because I hadn't put those processes in place. I hadn't got any processes of getting stock in, marking it up, adding your VAT and selling it and working out your costs against your income. Um, you have to take accountability. You were the one signing the checks. You're the one looking at the bank account, you have to take accountability. And if you go around blaming people in any walk of life, relationships, business, anything, um, then that's not reflection. That's deflection. You're deflecting onto them. That early failure nearly ended Joe's dream of building her own business. I did at the time think that's the end of me. I'm never going to be this woman of substance. I'm never going to be this great businesswoman. That's it. Inside, I I felt, I probably did knock my confidence a lot, but I'd lost that sort of cockiness. I'd lost that sort of edge, which on reflection, like I said, we've talked a lot about lessons learned. I probably needed it. I probably needed to lose that cockiness. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be confident, but there's a difference in being assertive and confident and having that. Oh, I can do it. It'll be fine. So you've got to be assertive and confident and um, know what you're doing and know that you know what you're doing, um, but not be complacent. And I think, you know, at, at the time when I decided to end that underwear business, I think, and I've said it a lot today, but the biggest thing was letting go and letting go of the ego. It's your ego. That's why you don't want to tell anyone it's failed and you don't use the word failure because it's your ego and there's a time with any business when you've got to let go of the ego and go it's not working I'm going to turn it in Joe Fisher on letting go of her ego something a lot of us could learn from and it must have worked because after going to drama school like she always dreamed Joe started Footlights which as you've heard is still going strong today 
If you have a failure story that you'd like to share, then we would love to hear it. Please email us on hello at secretleaders.com with a few bullets explaining what happened. You've been listening to our bite-sized series on failure and I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you want to hear more stories of failure, setbacks and how they impact success, then give us a follow on your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.